Welcome to the Wonder Space podcast. It's great to have you on board. My name is Steve Cole, and over the past 61 episodes, I have been asking the same six questions to amazing people from around the world. The questions orbit around wonder and stories of hopefulness, and the setting for each journey is a shared window on the space station from where we see everything from a different perspective. Before we introduce our guest this week, our friends at asknature.org are going to help us to rewonder. The image of relaxation that humans often associate with soaring birds tends to gloss over the intense effort of flapping birds. The lightning quick motion of wings requires vast quantities of oxygen rushing to their muscles constantly. They literally don't have time to take a breath, at least not a breath like other animals do. When a bird breathes in, it sends some fresh air to the lungs and some to air sacs for holding. Then during an exhalation, the stale air leaves the lungs as a fresh supply rushes in from the air sacs. The next intake of air starts it all again, keeping the hardworking bird in a constant state of flow. Our orbit this week will take us across Western Europe to the Arabian Sea. And to experience these views with us in this ultimate window seat, we welcome Dr. Paul Matz. Paul is a Victor Mills Research Fellow at Procter & Gamble and the founder of the NGO Action on Podo, which has transformed the lives of tens of thousands of people in Ethiopia. Paul was nominated by our 26th guest on Wonderspace, Ivor Peters, who is also known as the chef Urban Raja. Hi there, I'm Ivor Peters and I have had the absolute pleasure of nominating Professor Paul Matz onto this week's episode of Wonderspace. His is an amazing story of how he's taken a lifetime's work of working in the adult beauty and skincare industry and is now transforming the feet and the lives of thousands of people in Ethiopia. Hold tight, this is one heck of a journey. I start by asking Paul, if we could do a fly past on any part of the world that is significant to you, which place, city or country would it be and why? Steve, I would love to track over the Principality of Wales from the the capital Cardiff through the Bracken Beacons up over the mountains of the Snowdonia National Park. I, I wasn't born in Wales. I was actually born in the Channel Islands in Jersey, but I have a Welsh mother. I got a grandfather who was the minister of a very large church in Cardiff. I spent part of my childhood in Swansea and then spent six years at Cardiff University studying biology at degree and PhD level. So I'm not Welsh by birth, but it's definitely in my blood. And the terrain, my goodness. Part of me was created to walk Welsh mountains. <laughs> in my student years, the, the beacons and Snowdonia became my, my, my retreat, uh, my place of healing, but also uh, of daring. Uh, at age 50, I completed something called the 15 Peaks Challenge in 18 hours. It's a very stupid exercise that involves climbing all 15 peaks in the Snowdon Range over 3,000 feet within 24 hours. Uh, both the hardest physical thing I've ever done, but also the best. So uh, 
Fly Me Over Wales, Steve. Paul, give us a glimpse into your life story so far with an emphasis on what you are doing currently. Uh, in 1988, in the final year of my PhD in microbial biochemistry, two life-changing things happened. Most importantly, I got married to my wife, Ali, but secondly, I started a career with uh, the Procter & Gamble company. Uh, my connection with skin started in year one. I was working on anti-acne technology, and having had a, a cystic acne myself in my teens, I knew how devastating it could be to self-esteem and confidence. Um, since then, I've, I've risen to the very top of the technical career system in P&G, leading both upstream and applied skin research programs. I've helped design and launch many products in the Olay range. <laughs> Max Factor, CoverGirl, I even spent two years working directly with uh, the Dolce Gabbani fashion house in Milan, helping to take them into the world of prestige skincare. But I've always thought of my job as a, as a high calling because of the central role that skin plays in, in human health and well-being. Here's my mantra, you know, why do we have skin? Number one, as the, the primary interface with an inherently hostile universe, without which we would die within 24 hours. Secondly, skin is a profound organ of non-verbal communication. It speaks long before we open our mouths. In around 300 milliseconds, Skin condition has wordlessly signaled age, health, attractiveness. And it's why skin conditions um, have an effect on quality of life index, often equivalent to terminal illness, and why many, tragically, with acne, eczema, psoriasis, more, fall in, into depression, um, even suicide every year. In 2009, I, I met a man who changed my life, the retired professor of dermatology at Oxford University called Terence Ryan. Um, Terence has pioneered dermatology in the poorest areas of the world, and he opened my eyes to the fact that skin conditions make up an amazing 30 to 50% of all disease presenting at primary healthcare facilities in resource-poor settings. He invited me to speak at a dermatology conference in Moshi in Tanzania, and uh, it's there that I first became aware of a disease called podoconiosis. In short, podo, um, also known as lower leg lymphedema, sometimes called elephantiasis. It results in monstrously swollen legs and feet. I learned that the disease um, is mainly caused by barefoot farming on certain types of reactive volcanic soil. And in Ethiopia alone, at least 1.5 million people suffer silently with podo. And so in my spare time, I, I traveled there to measure the skin of those with and without podo and showed that tragically, <laughs> The disease starts with dry skin on the feet. It simply cracks and splits, allowing soil in and starting the chain reaction of disease. And I also totally fell in love with the people. And my heart broke for those with Podo who were and are rejected, ostracized, stigmatized because of their appearance. And so in 2012, I co-founded an Ethiopian NGO with a, a vision to eradicate this disease within my lifetime. And here's the extraordinary thing, Steve. You know, in my day job, <laughs> I develop and test technology to help care for the facial skin of essentially healthy women. But if I take uh, exactly the same simple approaches I use there to treat podo, literally washing with water, soap, the use of petrolatum as a simple moisturizer, I can heal the skin on patients' feet, stop the ingress of soil, such that huge legs return slowly to normal over six months to a year and the whole person is restored to life again, body, spirit, 
Seoul. And so since 2012, we've treated uh, around 37,000 polo patients in southern Ethiopia, uh, started small, seven small shoe factories staffed by um, young recovered polo patients who've made over 7,000 pairs of custom oversized boots for patients with very large feet. We've partnered with Tom's Shoes to give away over 760,000 pairs of shoes to school children to help prevent podo. Um, <laughs> it's been both the hardest, but also the best thing I've ever done. Where on earth is your place of reset or recharge? In 2012, my wife and I bought a rundown, traditional whitewashed cottage built in 1789 in the village of Tobermory on the island of Mull, one of the Inner Hebrides islands off the west coast of Scotland. We spent um, five years restoring it in our spare time. And all I can say is that this place, it heals me. I remember conversations uh, with people at the time that went something like, so, Paul, Mull, that, that's like really far away, isn't it? That's like far from London. It's like, yeah. And, and, and it's like really remote. It's like, yeah. But, and, and it's really quiet, yeah. It's like, absolutely. I remember, I remember thinking to myself, you know, we bought this place for all the reasons that you never would. <laughs> and honestly, every mile we drive from London to Oban to get the ferry across is cathartic. You know, I literally feel stress and worry and pain melt away. The island's at 58 degrees north by latitude, so really short days in the winter, endless days in the summer, but it's got the most amazing light, magical, diffuse, almost touchable. We love the house, but we spend equal time in the island. We walk, we run, we climb, we dive, we just be. What wonder of the natural world excites you the most? In my 20s, uh, Ali and I learned how to scuba dive in cold water conditions. And since then, we've dived all around the UK coast, uh, but also in many other parts of the world. But I tell you, it is the cold, green, clear, life-rich water around the UK that continues to capture my heart. Many I think have the impression that our seas are murky and polluted and fished out. Well, maybe it's easy to think that, you know, sitting on a British beach, reading the latest depressing news, but come with me, dive a 50 meter underwater rock pinnacle off the coast of Mull, where the rock is stuffed with edible crab, spider crab, lobsters, tiny nudibranchs, the white sand literally alive with scallops, and I look up into a kaleidoscope of shifting green light and down into in inky blackness. And then I'm suddenly surrounded by a shoal of pollock. I turn around and I get buzzed by a, a nosy Atlantic gray seal. About 70% of Earth's surface is covered by ocean. It holds 95% of all the Earth's water. And this, this human alien environment, which modern scuba technology allows me to survive in. It fills me with wonder every time I enter it. I'm able to move within it in this 3D environment like a native creature in all directions, emerging unscathed, but with a heart that is very full. Paul, what is your story of hopefulness that's not your own? about a person, business or non-profit who are doing amazing things for the world? 
In 2014, I shared a conference stage with the amazing James Partridge, the founder of Changing Faces, the world's foremost charity championing the cause of those who look different. James himself suffered horrendous burns to his face and upper body in a car accident in his teens. And I, I listened to James share that those with visible differences from trauma, from congenital disorders, from skin disease, are often amongst the most vulnerable in our society, facing a, a daily grind of exclusion, harassment, and challenge in all areas of their lives, from struggling to find meaningful employment to relationships. He said that one in three share that they feel depressed, sad, anxious, even suicidal as the result of their disfigurement. Outside the NHS, Changing Faces currently provides the UK's only free counselling and well-being service for children, young people, adults with skin disease who need appearance-related mental health and well-being support. James died in 2020, but his legacy lives on in Changing Faces. I was so thrilled to see the amazing Katie Piper, who was attacked and disfigured with acid in 2008, and who's been a, a wonderful champion and, and ambassador for Changing Faces, receive a, a richly deserved OBE recently for her work in helping those with visible differences through the, the Katie Piper Foundation. Uh, definitely one of my, my personal heroes. And finally, as we prepare to re-enter, what insight, wisdom or question would you like to share with us? What an interesting question, Steve. I, I, since I was a, a teenager, I've, I've always had a sense of my own mortality and uh, the transience of life. Um, and <laughs> there's, there's not many days when at some point I don't say life is short, uh, either to myself or to others. <laughs> it's like I can, I can uh, hear you thinking, hang on, this is, this is wonder space. You know, this, this all sounds a bit morbid. Well, sure, this can descend quickly into nihilism, uh, but it's kept me focused on squeezing the last drops out of every flipping day. I'm not sure I'm always the easiest person to be around in that respect. Uh, my wife regularly says, you know, just will you just relax, Paul? But for me, a day full of focus is my relaxation. And I found that, that focus has seasons. And as I approach 60 and look at this last season of my life, I would never have predicted that I would have found a whole new focus, discovered a large part of why I'm on planet Earth so relatively late in my life. I could never have predicted that the technical, organizational, managerial skills I learnt in a corporate environment could be so easily, seamlessly reapplied to helping marginalized, ostracized people in resource-poor settings through a, a relatively simple sidestep and reframing of my skill set and life calling. And I, I'm genuinely humble in my wonder at what has happened. So Steve, you know, if you're asking me what insight or wisdom I'd pass on as we re-enter Earth's atmosphere, I would say, just, just take a step back, look inside at the accumulated skills and abilities you've amassed across your life, but then look outward at this, this big old world of ours. And in a totally you know, unforced, organic, natural way, see if there's any means by which you can reapply yourself, all of who you are, to help those for whom you and your talent is the answer. 
To find out more about the work in Ethiopia, go to actiononpodo.com. Paul also referred to the amazing work of Changing Faces and the Katie Piper Foundation, which you can find at changingfaces.org.uk and katiepiperfoundation.org.uk. To engage with the previous 62 Wonder Space episodes, go to our website, ourwonder.space. I want to thank Dr. Paul Matz for joining us on Wonder Space, and I hope you can join us next week for more wonders and stories of hopefulness.